that more than two for the next hour or so. Welcome along to the show. And don't forget, by the way, you can... Sorry. Somebody said something very funny in my ear there. And, uh, yeah, I'll share it with you later anyway, all right? Don't forget, by the way, you can support our show if you want to by going to our website, nileboylan.com. This is your show every single day. Of course, we broadcast between 12 and 1 o'clock or thereafter. We've gone on till 2 on some occasions, depending on how long you want us to go on for, how many calls we get, and how many people want to give a valid opinion. So if you want to come on the air at any stage, all you've got to do is text 085-100-2255. Share your opinion if you want on WhatsApp or just WhatsApp the words, let me on. And they will give you a call and we'll get you on as soon as we possibly can. Because remember, it is your show, your opinions, etc., etc., etc. So to do that and continue doing that, please support us. All we ask is the price of a pint of beer. You can do that on the website by donating, as I call it, or subscribing on the website, which gives you, by the way, access to all our videos and all our past shows, as well as exclusive ones that have never been streamed on either X, formerly known as Twitter, or Facebook. Now, today... The other day we spoke to you about what Suella Braverman said in relation to multiculturalism. And we were inundated with the calls. We could have well on, went on at five o'clock in the afternoon if we wanted to. But a story in the Irish Times, um, day before yesterday, grabbed me. And then also there was a piece in the Irish Examiner more recently as well. And I'm reading from both. And I think it's important that we read out all the figures, to be fair. Because otherwise it's loaded and it sounds like a one-sided argument. But the government is spending more than $42 million each month on rental management and maintenance of accommodation centres for asylum seekers. That's those seeking international protection. All told, some $42 million is being paid to private providers across the country for the use of 180 centres of varying natures on a calendar month basis by the Department of Integration, and that's according to the figures released to the Irish Examiner. The Irish Examiner also reported that Dublin sees the highest outlay of £16 million each month for the use of 48 international protection accommodation centres, uh, that's according to the department. Donegal, meanwhile, plays host to 16 centres, roughly half of them in Letterkenny, and the second highest figure by county uh, as a whole is £2.5 per month, despite only having the 13th largest population of the state. Cork and Wicklow are the only other counties with more than nine centres playing host to 10 apiece at a cost of £2.2 and £2.5 respectively. The highest average outlay each month is in County Meath, where there's six centres at a cost of 338000 They include an emergency reception, an orientation centre, and a former holiday camp, which I'm sure you're well aware of. Or Mosney, I was going to call it Disney. Might as well be. The lowest payments for the country, by the way, is Longford and Leitrim. That's not surprising. Including in the numbers is breakdowns by occupancy of hotels. 57 hotel contracts currently held by the department in order to provide IPAS accommodation, hosting 1,906 people, 1,306 who are children. This is just, by the way, for people seeking international protection. We haven't come to Ukrainians yet. Those contracts indicate a certain disparity in price per asylum seeker, and they range quite widely, actually, with monthly charges per person ranging from 2,031 per person per month, um, that is in the Crown Plaza in Blanchestown, Dublin, to 2,750. You wouldn't pay that to go on your holidays. Anyway, uh, at the Ballymun Travel Lodge. 3,300 or 3,454 at Galway's Continental Hotel and 3,526 at the Crown Plaza in Dundalk. Work that out per night. You wouldn't pay that to stay in a hotel, but the state are paying that to accommodate asylum seekers. Ireland spent, here's the bigger one, Ireland spent more than 900 million, nearly a billion, last year alone assisting Ukrainian refugees. 
and in direct donations to that country, according to the Irish Aid Annual Report for 2022, when it launched on Wednesday by the Taunished Minister for Foreign Affairs, Michal Martin. The Central Statistics Office figures indicate that 67 1,448 people had arrived in Ireland from Ukraine by the week ending December 11, 2022, a number which has risen to 93,000 by September 10th last. That's only a few weeks ago. Ireland, as a member of the global community, has a moral and ethical responsibility to assist the, those in the housing in, the, in this crisis, according to the government, uh, although many barristers disagree with that. The conflict in Ukraine is a humanitarian catastrophe, according to the government, and our aid not only provides life-saving support, but also support uh, helps with maintenance peace and stability in the region. Now, an additional one billion has now been diverted to state efforts to accommodate more Ukrainian refugees in Ireland, and the, as well as those who are, are there already. The supplementary estimate agreed by the government will help the Department of Integration cover the cost of housing Ukrainians and other people seeking international protection. Tens of thousands of Ukrainians have relocated in Ireland since the outbreak of war last year. More than 70,000 are still in state-provided accommodation. So, work this one out. Out of all the people who have come here from Ukraine, which, according to the figures, you I've just read them out there, the 80,000 people, 70,000 are still getting accommodation off the state. In the United Kingdom, they have six months to find their own accommodation, or they just end up being treated like a normal citizen, i.e. you can collect the dole, you can go on HAP, or whatever it is, but you don't continue to get supported by the state after six months. But we are continuing to support people, which puts them in a bit of a financial trap. More than 70,000, as I said, are being housed by the state. And the Minister for Integration, Rodrigo Gorman, and the Minister of Public Expenditure, Pascal Dunner, who announced the funding agreement after Cabinet discussed the issue last Tuesday. The number of people in state-provided accommodation is now, as I said, over 70,000 people. And the reason I'm reading all this out is because I want to be fair. The past year and a half or so has seen significant increase in the number of people arriving into the country seeking international protection. In January 2022, our international protection accommodation system we complained about at the time had 8,600 people in it. There's now 23,200. That's just international protection, not Ukrainians. This is a trend being experienced across Europe with over a half a million asylum applications being received by EU countries in the first half, the first six months of 2023. So in other words, the figure has tripled. And if you remember rightly, if we go back four or five months ago, I spoke to Nigel Farage in the show, and that's exactly what he said, the figure will triple. He said, what were his exact words was, you ain't seen nothing yet. And he was correct. We're currently providing accommodation instead of 70,000 Ukrainians, as well as 23,200 people seeking international protection. So here's the thing. Here's the question I want to ask you. And I, I put it up on Twitter yesterday. And I said, you know, as well, we do have a responsibility to treat people uh, humanely, and those who are fleeing wars to help out as much as we possibly can, although most people believe the numbers should have been capped. The government don't seem to think that. So we're spending billions, and I mean billions, because even that 900 million they mentioned for Ukrainians, that's only for accommodation. That doesn't include a lot of other things. Like, for example, the stress it'll put in the health service, the education system, all those things cost money. Medical cards that were given to every single Ukrainian who came to the country, that all costs money. It's all taxpayers' money. The government will cry next Tuesday during the budget telling us they don't have enough money to help people who are in a position where they can't pay their bills, their electricity bills. People who are on the poverty line, who are one wage away from being broke. They'll tell you they can't do anything more for you. But yet we can spend billions on people seeking international protection and people running for fleeing war. Now, there is an argument that we should be doing that. and It's the right thing to do. 
because it's a humanitarian thing to do. It's basically the cost of compassion. So is compassion worth that amount of money to a small country like Ireland? Let me know what you think. The number, as usual, 085-122-55. Maybe you're one of those people who believe, now we need to do this. We need to do as much as we possibly can. Or maybe you're one of those people who thinks this is a complete note of waste of money. We need to stop right now. Let me know what you think. 085-100-2255. Let me go to Louise first if I can. Louise, hi, how are you? Hi, man, how's things? Good. Louise, you've just heard me read out all the figures. It's uh, an exponential amount of money. Yeah, it's kind of sickening, isn't it? Well, it's a lot of money. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, it is. It's kind of sickening. Um, you, you said something about a humanitarian responsibility. Um, I don't know if you've ever helped homeless, gone in to feed them with the many groups and organisations that do. There's children as young as two and three sleeping in tents on O'Connell Street. Where's the moral obligation to them, the Irish children? You know, and um, one thing I've noticed, like I live right near the Red Cow, and that's a refuge centre for Ukrainians. Mm. They're all men. They're all of a certain age men. They're all, they've all got clean cut. They're all military looking. They're all big men. Well, I, well, I do. Well, I do know. To be to to be fair, I do know when Ukrainian refugees come to Ireland, the majority of whom would be older people, younger people, or women, single women, right? Um, but they're all men. They're oh, no, well, hang on. We're talking. We, we got to separate Ukrainian refugees from people seeking international protection. When there no, is when there is men, they men. Well, yeah, but they do. These are Ukrainian men in these centres. They do put men together. And they're yeah, but they're all, But I mean, where's the logic in that? If Ukraine is in such a terrible war. Surely the men would stay behind and fight for the country. Well, there and were the men too. Zelensky, but Zelensky, Zelensky's living the life of an international pop star. He's at the Oscars. Surely if his uh, country is in such dire state, he should be staying there instead of going around to countries, giving his little speeches in colleges and stuff like that. What What is the purpose of that? If he's the figurehead and the leader of that country, why is he never there? Why is Jill Biden being photographed walking the streets of Ukraine without so much as a bulletproof vest if it's so dangerous? The media are releasing pictures of what I class as crisis actors. They, these are the same people that were hooked up to ventilations in um, hospitals for COVID. Now they're the same people, the same looking people are fleeing their lives. I mean, there, there's no, well, hang on, but there's no doubt there is a civil war. And you are right. It's not affecting the whole country. It's affecting part of the country. So there's no doubt about that. In relation to Zelensky, I do agree with you somewhat, but his argument will be that he goes around the world, you know, looking for funding for, you know, to well, protect I mean, his the country. Biden the Biden administration has given him millions mm -hmm. and weapons as well. They've given Ukraine Absolutely. thousands. Yeah. I mean, why isn't RTE reporting about the number of children the Russian soldiers are pulling from the tunnels? Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm not familiar with that story, but... but well, I, I, I sent you some info on it. Okay. The children that are being... What is Ukraine famous for, now? What is the one thing we all know that Ukraine is famous for? Well, it's famous for quite a lot of things. But one of but them, the top but, of your head. But mainly uh, corn. They have corn fields, wheat, uh, barley. What's it? No, it's famous for trafficking, in particular children. Well, that wasn't something that kind of sprung to mind. But yes, it does happen, of course, yeah. Yeah, it does happen over there. I, just, I'm very I, thought, you were, I thought you were talking about what they're famous for, their exports. Oh, really? Um, yeah. That, well, back to your question. No, I um, I think it's absolutely shocking what the government is spending, but it doesn't surprise me with this government. 
you know, and many pay rises to the TD give a year. You had Gino Kenny, he's a TD in Clondalk, and he was um, he holding up placards in January, Refugees Welcome. I mean, what's the narrative of TD? What does it stand for? Chucked a dollar, yeah. Well, it, yeah, to represent the people, yes. Yeah, but what to represent people? So it doesn't matter what they think themselves. They're supposed to be the voice of the people. And do you not believe they're your voice? No, 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 no. Sure, I mean, there was uh, photographs of uh, one of the Healy Rays. I don't know if you've seen it on Facebook, being escorted. Uh, I saw that, yeah, I saw the video, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on, that was just for RTE fake news of nothing. Well, I no, mean, no, it, it wasn't fake news. It did happen. I saw the video. It did happen, but yeah. that was just for show. Every other TD was shoved into a car. Why didn't they, why did they make a show of letting him strut like a peacock with two guards and one each? Well, I, we we did that have a we had a we spoke to um, to Maliki Steenson on Monday, who was an eyewitness in that particular situation, and that was a circumstance. What happened was he was trying to get in, but the barriers were closed, and the guards got back over the barriers to walk him in another way. So, unfortunately, that was just the way. It happened. Okay, but but by the way, as a point of clarification in relation to what you were talking about earlier on, men. There are quite a number of children who have come here from Ukraine as well. Actually, 15,625 Ukrainian children have been enrolled in Irish schools. So there are a number of children too. And we all, I think, to be fair, we'd all say... So them children, them children, and I, I love children. Children are the most vulnerable people in the world and they need to be protected in this time more than anything else when they're being taught all kinds of things to mess their head. And in my opinion, a lot of it is a form of grooming. But children that come in, you know, you've spoken to me many times, you know why children with autism. If a child of Ukraine comes into this country and he needs, he or she needs assessment, they're pushed to the top of the queue. I was told this by HSE representative myself. How is that fair? Well, again, I don't know if that's true, but if it is true, it's completely unfair. Obviously, nobody should get priority over anybody else. Every, every single case should be taken on a level of priority, no matter where they happen to be from. Um, stay there, Louise, for a second. So, Louise, you, but, but, but just before I go to our next caller, Louise, we spend a lot of money, as I mentioned at the start of the show, billions every single year. Yeah. Do you believe that, you know, we should be spending any money at all? Like, should we? I think there's a, I, I think um, the only way I can describe this, if uh, you have a broken arm, what are you bandaging up your leg for and focusing on other areas? Surely you need to fix certain areas like children's services in this country or elderly that are freezing and vulnerable. Um, mental so in other words, get your own house right first before you fix other people's houses. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. absolutely. Okay, well, okay we'll, stay, we'll stay there for a second. Let me go to John as well. John, hi, how are you? I'm good, and you? Uh, there you go. Louise is quite clear about how she feels about it. Uh, get your own house fixed first before you start fixing others. Well, I, I remember about 20 years ago, the, the nurses, uh, my friend and myself, the nurses had a problem and they were uh, once again uh, had a walk out and we were walking in solidarity with them. We said, you see, we're here, she's on cock. And there was one lady joined the, 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 the march and she stood next to me and we began, we stuck up a conversation and she said that she was belonged to the psychiatric end of it and she said, uh, actually, the nurse, everyone is focusing on she, the nurse and the medical side of it now. But she said, well, actually, I work in, this, in the Cinderella, Cinderella department. I said, what do you mean by that? She said, the psychiatric atric in the bit. That's what we call it, the, the, the Cinderella uh, unit, because she said, everyone has forgotten about us. And lo and behold, the other day, I had a person 20 years later 
representing the psychiatric nurses again on radio. Didn't what it, what tell them that she was again? The Cinderella syndrome again. It's still going on. And you have children in this city alone and they're waiting for for the camps, the child adolescent mental health services, right? And some of those kids are suicidal and they yeah. are told that they are on a list and it could be 16 to 18 months before they'd be seen. No, this what? is a choice. Okay, but, yeah, but, well, hold on a second. What's that got to do with the billions being spent on refugees? I'm just curious. Because uh, why isn't the money put into, into that? Why is, well, well, why well, hang on, well, John. With, with respect, and I'm not talking about refugees in general, the, what's the problems within the health service? The waiting lists, you know, three years to get a bloody appointment for a psychiatric service or mental health service. That's nothing to do with money. Money is not the issue. It's administration and staff. They don't have enough staff. The administration is appalling. The HSE is a mess. It's a joke. So it's nothing to do with money. There are billions. Hang on for a second. It was 16 billion was the budget for the HSE going back two years ago, whatever it was. And we pumped another 6 billion into it and it made no difference on that particular year. The money was never the issue. Which is put the top, the top, the top. Yeah, sorry, Louise, go ahead. Oh yeah, surely if the pay is better for nurses, it will entice more people to be a nurse. I mean, Simon Harris and who's, who's the minister for... Uh, Stephen Donnelly. Stephen yeah, Donnelly. If Donnelly, they're paid hundreds of thousands. Now, I don't know, have they ever worked a 12, 15-hour shift trying to use the bathroom and have a personal break, but running around helping people? No, they haven't. Nurses are paid pittance. So if they put money into into enticing people to be nurses who, you know... Who will stay in the country, yeah, who will stay in the country. Yeah, who will stay in the country and it'll obviously entice more people. So I do disagree with you there. Okay, so so you you believe from that point of view, paying people more would would actually increase... Okay, well, it may it may help somewhat, but I think there's bigger problems within the HSE. I think it's badly run. I think from the top to the bottom, I think it's extremely badly run. There's too many people running around with folders and pens in their hand, getting overpaid for doing nothing. The head of the HSE is uh, Donnelly, the head of the HSE. Well, essentially, well, the book stops with him. Yeah. And has, no. he, has he any medical experience? No, probably not. No, he's not. No. Yeah, but so apart I'm... from going to the doctor himself, maybe. Sorry, yeah, John. Sorry, go back to what you. Yeah. Let me get when, back when to, to, to the min, the money. Yeah. No, let, oh. let's focus on the money we're spending. So you know, we spent a billion on Ukrainian refugees alone. We're spending yeah. millions every month on people seeking international protection in each county in the country on uh, you know asylum centres. And that's only the tip of the iceberg. We've 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 put aside another billion um, there only last week. So we're spending a lot of money. But is that the price of compassion? Well, look, obviously we have compassion because we've always taken people in here. But the trouble is, it's been totally abused now. And it's allowed to be abused, right? If you park the Ukrainian thing for a minute, even though personally I think we've taken in too many for the size of the country. But now the big elephant in the room is the international protection mob who are coming in. Every Tom, Dick and Harry know, radical government said he was getting rid of, it's up to us. Oh, I seem to have lost everyone there for a second. I do apologise. I'll get you all back again. Sorry, I, 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 um, I'll guess uh, John back. Uh, you can um, free apply him one if you want, but I'll get the rest of them back there if you can. Some of the messages, by the way, they're coming in on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget, by the way, if you want to put a message below here on Twitter, you can. We'll read it out. Don't forget, you can send us a message on the usual places at WhatsApp on 085 Um Morris says, uh, of course, it's too much. They could easily drive 100 miles down the road 
and they would probably be safer than they are here. If the place is safe enough to go back to on holidays and doctors and dentist appointments, I'm pretty sure it's safe enough to go back and live in. Well, I, I've heard that story, and there was only a story actually on Facebook this morning of a girl who does pedicures or something, and she said she was giving a pedicure to somebody who was Ukrainian who was going back every six weeks to get dental work done or whatever it was, and I think that's where that story probably originates. And there is an argument. I mean, put yourself in that situation. If you were living in a country at war, even if it was on the other side of the country, would you want to be there? Some people may and might want to sit it out and they're happy enough to do that because nothing has happened in their particular part of the country. And some people might have fear and might want to leave. You could make the same argument about, Nor about Ireland, for example. Uh, in Northern Ireland, going back to the 1970s, many people from Northern Ireland fled to the south. Or they fled out of the country altogether to Scotland and places like that. But let me know what you think anyway. Is it worth the billions that we're spending? Uh, the number is 85 We're going to take a quick break. Back to the second. The Nile Boylan Podcast. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text Ireland on 85 100 Did I say that too fast? Slow it down. That was me trying to do the effect. <laughs> 085 100 The Nile Boylan Podcast. Right, let me go to Morris. Morris, hi. Sorry about that. I lost everybody there for a second. Morris, how are you? Yeah. I'm uh, not bad. I'm on my way back up from Limerick. How is Dorothy Dublin today? Ah, uh, manky. <laughs> <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah, the um, rain is everywhere today, unfortunately. So, Morris. Yeah, I think people. Go ahead. Yeah. I think people are starting to hit the top of their the range in relation to what's going on. We're being bombarded now at this stage. Look, I, I said to you, I'd rather this country would sink under helping people rather than throwing people away. But um, I was recently over in the uh, south side of Dublin and the amount of tents that were outside the National Immigration Office has gone down a bit. But um, they're still there. The people living on the streets of Dublin now who are not even from this country, they're living in tents in Stravali, Thousands of Ukrainian men, women, and children in hotels. And I'm looking at the Muslim women, sisters of Ireland, feeding Irish people every weekend in the GPO that are homeless. Yep. You know, something's got to give. And the, the government, in my opinion, needs to be held accountable for the mismanagement of this situation. I've no problem with somebody spending my hard earned tax dollars, but do it properly. But, but, but here's, but here's the problem that I see, right? And as I said already, yeah. the United Kingdom do it differently to us. What they do is in the United Kingdom, if you're Ukrainian, you, you get there for six and for six months, the state will look after you, right? That's just the way it works for six months. Um, but after six months, you're essentially on your own. When I say you're on your own, you know, you get what everybody else gets. You get social welfare. You can apply for accommodation to, you know, the HAP scheme or whatever it is, similar to the HAP scheme. Yeah. Or being the, so in other words, you just get treated like everybody else. So the, the state will support you for six months. Whereas we're continuing to support people. So, for example, to take an example, 92,000 Ukrainians have come to Ireland. That's just Ukrainians. Forget about people seeking international protection. That's another 23,000, right? Out of that 92,000, 70,000 are still being accommodated by the state. Now, yeah. I've spoken to people who are in the hotel industry, and they said to me themselves, as long as the government keeps providing, you know, a hotel room, you know, meals every day, it's kind of almost yeah. like a financial trap. It doesn't encourage people to get a job. Do you understand what I'm saying? It yeah. doesn't encourage anybody oh, yeah. to want to get a job because you have to get a job that will provide you with the same. 
So in other words, it's not encouraging people who are coming here and planning on maybe staying, because I don't know how many Ukrainians are going to stay here, even if the war ended tomorrow, how many would actually go back or how many would stay. But if they're going to stay, you kind of have to get a job. But it seems many yeah. are not getting a job. No, I understand that. And like I meant to say, some TD in the doll recently, I've seen a video of, and he says the national or the monthly wage in Ukraine is six hundred dollars. He says when they come here, they're getting a thousand dollars a month or a thousand euro. But but the, but, but the prices yeah, for the hotels nothing. are ridiculous. I mean, when you look yeah. at right, the, like the states are paying. Where's this figure here? The was it the Crown Plaza Hotel? Where do I have it here? Oh yeah, here we go. They're paying three thousand five hundred and twenty-six to the Crown Plaza in Dundalk, right? Per yeah. person. I mean, you'd have a, you could stay in Spain for that on holidays. Do you know what I mean? I understand, yeah. Yeah, you would. Including your flights. But, uh, I think there's another twist coming down the line now that we haven't heard about yet. And I've just picked it up recently. I have a few friends that I work with, and they're Polish guys. And they said that uh, all the Ukrainians who are in the Polish area near the Ukrainian border are getting text messages and WhatsApps to say, get over to Ireland, they're paying double. And they're already in Poland, away from the war, and now they're hitting the road and they're coming to Ireland. Now, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't, like to be, I wouldn't like to be fleeing a war, particularly if you have kids and what have you. Like the, Nobody no. would want to be in that position, you know, and I certainly wouldn't like to be sitting in a tent out in Strad Valley either. Uh, but, if I, yeah. but if I'm getting a four-star hotel, you know, and, and I'm all right, Jack, I suppose I'd be happy yeah. enough, and I know we're giving out, people were giving out in Cork about the modular homes and everything else and all that kind of carry on. I, look, help as many people as you can, but there has to be a limit to it, Morris, I imagine. I mean, we can't yeah, just keep spending money hand over fist. No, it has, to, it has to, like you said, be capped somewhere along the line. We can't just have open borders. How much is the government due to draw down from the EU? Is it a billion for this? I, I, don't, I, I did see that figure the other day, but I can't remember it. I'll find it in a second. But I know they I haven't. I think it's around that anyway. And I mean, so is is that the COVID money you're talking about? Uh, no, no, the, uh, an international relief fund to help people that are fleeing a war. I, I know the there was a COVID fund. fund that they haven't drawn down fully yet, but that's a few yeah. million. Um, but I'm not too sure exactly. I, but I know the EU do give, give us money towards this, but it doesn't cover the cost anywhere, anywhere close to it. When you think yeah, about I it, if we're spending on average 113 per day on each refugee, that's at a phenomenal amount of money. And that's not including, yeah. for example... You know, healthcare, education, if they've got children, you know, um, free, medical free medical cards, all of those other ancillary things as well. So it's costing yeah. the state billions to do this. And one thing I've noticed around Dublin Oil as well, I'm seeing an awful lot of UA cars around for Ukraine. You can see it on the reg, UA. They're all over Dublin now. I've seen a lot of them. Trucks, vans, Polish ones, everything. So there is a, there is a, a slide into Ireland through Dublin and everywhere else. They're coming on about two roads and everything else, you know. If we can save one life from, from getting killed by Putin, it's a good thing. Oh, no, I know, I, I wouldn't disagree with you, but I think we have to be realistic as well. Stay there for a second, actually. Well, I know, Morris, you have to go there because you're on a road trip at the moment and have a good time, by the way. Tony, hi. We're going to come to Adam in a second, too. Tony, hi. How are you? Hello, Noel. How are you? Good. Tony, yeah, it's a lot of money. Is that the price of compassion? Yeah. No. Where is the money coming from, Noel? Well, some money comes from the, the EU. But from? Where, do you, where do you think Where do you think it's coming from? I don't know. Well, it's coming from taxpayers' I pockets. I don't. Right. Yeah, well, that's obviously, you know what I mean? But yeah. I know it can't be because the sums just don't add up. As you said, they're going to have a budget next Tuesday and they're going to be putting on the poor mouth saying, no, we're going to give you a fiver extra. Mm-hmm. 
And it just doesn't add up, it just doesn't add up. But on the bigger side of things, as you said, like there's children arriving in this country and they're going missing. And the Minister no, for that's, Children that's doesn't even children. want to comment on it. I know. We, we, we did have McPats on a while ago uh, yeah, I know, talking about it. from UCD, Noel, and was there any input from the Minister of Children on your programme? No, well, uh, after that, I know Grip Media did ask uh, Roderick O'Gorman about it, but there wasn't an answer. He said he wasn't familiar with the story. I don't know why he's not familiar with the story. McPats are a state-funded agency, as far as I know. And they, they did a full report up in UCD, I think it was a UCD, in relation to children. I think, I can't remember exactly the figure, of children who come into this country and they're unaccompanied minors who had gone basically missing in the system. And that, that's incredible. That's what I mean. There's a far bigger picture. There's a far bigger picture. And they do things like this for the deflect. Well, I mean, I Tony, that is, that, it's, it, you mean the human trafficking and child trafficking is a, another day's show, and it's a tragic story. No, by the no, way. no, I don't think it is. I think it's all linked. How is, that li- that's, linked. how is that linked to, you know, the billions we're spending on Ukrainians uh, and people seeking international protection? How is it linked? Purely because of what you said, the figures we're spending on Ukrainian, uh, and it takes a deflection. Mm-hmm. And it takes a deflection. Uh, it's just over, it's just off all the kids. Uh, but just like there's kids going missing in this country and there's nothing being done about it. There's grooming gangs operating and there's nothing being done about it. Like if the T-shirt is asked about it. Well, when, when you're saying there's nothing being done about it, look, I've, I've reported on it many times. We've talked about it many times. We even talked about the report from Tusla of those gangs that you refer to, you know, inviting young teenagers to hotels, etc., etc. We've talked about all of that in the show. But let's just Tony focus on what we're talking about today. You know, is it worth or do we have a responsibility and a humanitarian duty to spend that much money on people who are fleeing a war? No, we don't. Okay. No, we don't. So what do you do? Do you just close the door and say bye-bye? Basic accommodation. Sorry. It's just fine, like, but to give them basic accommodation. Yes, but what are men doing over here? Like, there's men in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s from the Ukraine in this country. And they shouldn't be here. And they're getting paid. Okay, by the way, just, just to clarify, I want to, I want to clarify something. So, as you asked, where's the money coming from? The taxpayer is paying the money, but the government gets 53 million for Ireland to support recovery and help people fleeing Russia invasion of Ukraine. So we get 53 million towards the 900 million that we spend. Billions, and they're spending billions, they pledge. Absolutely. Just like they pledge okay. another billion. Yeah, so what we're getting from the EU is pittance, to be honest with you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, but just like it's 950 million short, and that's only that billion. That well, the nine. Can I, no, okay, well, let, let me clarify: the 950 million over the 900 million I mentioned. That's only for Ukrainian refugees for just one year, and that's only for accommodation. That doesn't include everything else. Um, I mentioned as well the figures and the cost uh, per month: 42 million per month we're spending on asylum centres as well for people seeking international protection. Per month. Per month, and there's cancer sufferers that have worked for 40 and 50 years, and they can't get a medical card. They have to jump through hoops. So something is radically wrong, and the government is not accountable. Like you see, Ben Scallon when he asks questions, they won't answer them. Okay, well stay there, Tony. Let me go to Adam. Well, well, hang on, Adam. Hi, how are you? Hi, Dial. How are you? Adam, it's a lot of money, you know, for a country with a small economy. Don't get me wrong; we're not doing too badly in this country financially, but we have a small economy. It's a lot, a lot of money. I mean, we're probably spending billions on, you know, yeah. people seeking international protection and Ukrainians as well. 
there has to yeah. be a limit. We said this last year. Even some politicians secretly said it. They actually said it to us on the radio. We need to stop at about like 40,000. We can't just keep taking people in. So are yeah. they right? Is, have we gone too far? I think what we need to do, first of all, is the differentiation between asylum seekers that aren't Ukrainian and Ukrainian asylum seekers. Now, I'm just going to speak on Ukrainian asylum seekers okay. today. Okay. Um, but Ukrainians but are think, refugees, not asylum seekers. It's a slight, well, slight difference. You know, They've refugees. been invited. Yeah. 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 Um, for me, these are such exceptional circumstances that money shouldn't really come into it. When you look at the statistics, and it's 30% of the people that have come into Ireland are under the age of 20. So we're talking children here. 15,000 15, children have, Ukrainian children have enrolled in Irish schools. Yeah. And and then every everyone else are what, like, you know, 18, 19 year olds. Well, 92,000. But, but the concerning figure is, Adam, out of the 92,000 that have come here, 70,000 are still being accommodated by the state. So if people yeah. are going to stay, they should be getting jobs. We should be doing what the UK are doing and saying after six months, you're on your own. Well, you know, when, when I say you're on your own, you're treated like everybody else. Yeah, but how, how many, like, you know, when we're looking at accommodation centres and they're in the places in the likes of, say, Mayo or Sligo or stuff like that, how much exactly employment opportunities are there in these areas? There's not that many. It's very easy to be sitting up here in Dublin and say, oh, well, everyone can get a job because the job market is so open in Dublin. But... When you're going into more rural areas, employment opportunities just aren't there for these people. And look, they don't have a choice in where they're put. I mean, you know, you go down to Strad Valley and you say, right, <laughs> everyone, go get a job. In a tent. But where are they going to go? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think, look, like, the Strad Valley thing is a temporary thing, and I, hopefully that won't last long. Um, I heard the funny, when I say a funny story, it's a sad story, but, but funny. I believe they're allowed. Uh, I mean, they're all I could think of during Storm Agnes was like, I was like. I, but did you hear that they're allowed to stay in the tent as long as it doesn't go over 120 kilometers? The wind doesn't go over 120 kilometers an hour. <laughs> I mean, and I said, is there somebody yeah. there measuring it or something? I, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't trust Matt Aaron's measurements anyway. But yeah, you know, it's, but but Adam, you know, the book has to stop somewhere. We can't keep spending billions of taxpayers' money because, as Tony is right, the government are going to be whinging next Tuesday that they don't have the money to give the pensioners a bit of a rise. They don't have the money to give tax credit or to give, uh, you know, vouchers or credits for people's energy bills. They don't have the money to give extra medical well, cards out. Well, and and yet yeah, people are out, seeing out this. Of the, out of the budget, but out of the budget, at least, is there not a rise in pensions? There is a rise 15 in tax quid, credit. probably, yeah. <laughs> at the same time, do you know what I mean? Like, the cost of living so has doubled in the last year for pensioners. They, you know, to buy their coal or whatever it is, they're buying their oil, their gas, their electricity. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, 15 quid's not, not going to cut the mustard. You know, the social welfare payment would probably go up by a tenner maybe or something. Like that. That's not going to cut the mustard. These things could be put up more if we had the money. And if we're blowing millions or billions, should I say, uh, on people who may not even be here next year, they might be gone again. You know what I mean? I mean, it just seems to, to Irish people uh, well, look, like oh, think, it's unfair. Uh, to be honest, I think, you know, we're, we're not going to see these people leave next year because, I mean, even, even if there is a solution to this war, um, which I don't think there will be within mm. the next year, I also think you have to remember a lot of the cities that these people came from have been levelled. There is no apartment to go back to. There's no home to go back to. It's just rubble, you know, and it, it kind of it comes back to the point of, you know, I would absolutely hate to think of if anything was to ever happen here. And now I know we're a neutral, you know, a, a neutral country. Ah, but yeah, you're having a laugh there. We're not a neutral country anymore. We never were. Well, really, but, go on. But, yeah. but you know, but the likelihood of if something was to happen here and Irish people had to leave, I would hate to think that another country would kind of turn their back on us. Do you know what I mean?
Mm. And it's it's a case of look, Ukrainians are are as your. I know we should never turn our back on anybody, but there's a limit to how much support you can give people. I mean, when the Irish people, okay, I'm going back in time a little bit, when abandoned Ireland and went to America and Australia, New Zealand and Canada, and we spread our seed all over the world, we we didn't get accommodated by anybody. We were just there, and we did off you go now, get yourself a job, and look after yourself there, your grand. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, we we didn't, and like to be completely realistic, I would I, I wouldn't want it to be any way similar to the way America operates, um, you know, with the way it's get a job or die kind of attitude. Um, I'm not so, I'm know, not suggesting we should try our best to help as many people as possible, but why are the government not listening to the Irish people? I mean, we've had poll after poll, Red Sea polls. The government use Red Sea polls every single week for their own popularity, right? But then they ignore the Red Sea poll when it says 76% of the population um, want them to cap the numbers of refugees. So what, what are the government thinking? 76% are right-wing racists? You know, that couldn't be true. No, I, I don't think so. I think it's, it's a case of... Yeah. I, do I think that there should be a cap now? Personally, oh, um, it can't keep going. There's a thousand every two weeks. It just can't keep going, and that's not including it, people see, seeking international protection. Time, like, so, you know, what do we do then? Do we you say no? Say, right, that's it. No, you just um, well, hang on. We're part of the EU, no. and we just say, look, we turn around to the EU and they say we cannot do this. We're in the middle of a housing crisis. We've nowhere for people to live. Putting people in a tent is not the answer in the middle of Strad Valley, and we're going to have to keep doing that, which is not humanitarian at all. It would be far better if you can have a look and see if those other countries can treat them better than we can, because we can't do it anymore. We're a small country with a small economy. Why can't we just say that? Because I don't think that's the way Ireland has ever been. We've always Last. been a country where we've where we've tried to at least help, you know, and. And at this point, if, if we were to turn around, I think that goes against so many values that people in 1916... But we're good. Bottomed. We've done our bit. Look, we've taken in nearly 120,000 people, more actually. We've taken in over 120,000 people in the last year. I mean, it's not but like we haven't done our bit. But it's, it's, it's also, it's not like that this is stopping anytime soon. No, and, you know and I mean? in like six months' time, if we've accommodated people and we're back to where we were a year and a half ago and we can squeeze a few more in, let's talk about it then. But let's put a pause on it. I, look, I can see the logic behind what you're saying. I can. But at the same time, you know, from personally working with Ukrainians um, in, in a previous role that I was in before this, and, and, you know, to have a lot of Ukrainian friends, it, it just, it would seem to me so wrong at this point to kind of turn and say, well, no, that's enough. Enough's enough. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Nobody in Ukraine decided that they wanted to leave. You know what I mean? This was forced on hundreds of thousands of people by a tyrannical dictator. And I do have to say as well, the 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 absolute like the <laughs> I don't even know what to call it. The ignorance of of people to come on and say that there's crisis actors and you know that. I know, yeah, I know that. Yeah, you know that's it's that's it's 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 disgusting, really, to think because there's been so many innocent civilians that have been killed. Yeah over in Ukraine. Absolutely. And, to, to and by, by the way, this war could go on for a long time. People have described it now as a proxy war, right? So it could go on for a long time. Um, it will, because... And I, well, know, I hope I, not. I but here's the thing. I wasn't one of the people who knocked Sabina Higgins last year when she wrote that letter, um, and it was actually put up on the presidential website at one stage. It was taken back down again, when she called for peace. So, I mean, I would be one of the ones who would agree with that, that there is no war ever in the existence of history that I'm aware of that wasn't resolved without people sitting around a table in peace. 
to, to talk for talk about peace. So, you know, wars are not won by somebody winning and somebody losing. That's not the way war is won. Not anymore, anyway. Wars are won by, when I say won, wars are settled by people sitting around a table and coming to an agreement. And the idea that people will turn around and say, oh, no, Ukraine should never do that. There's no other way out of it, unfortunately. And if we continue to do what we're doing, thousands more people will die both in Ukraine and in Russia. So, you know what I mean? It has to be sorted. Anyway, that's a whole I, other I, argument. I, I, I agree, but I think, you know, kind of that, that opens up this thing of what people have said before of maybe, you know, some of the Western or some of the Eastern parts should be handed over to Russia and, and that Crimea should be declared as Russia. And look, well, that's... that's well, maybe they should have a proper a proper referendum in, in the area, not like the, the kind of rigged one they had the last time, but certainly yeah, a proper I, referendum. But I think it's, it's, it's like it would be the equivalent of us saying, right, um, it, like say, for example, if England invaded tomorrow and we said, right, the only way that we can keep them out is if we hand them over Donegal, Leitrim and Sligo. You know, if, uh, Leit if, Leitrim they could kind of have if they wanted. <laughs> Sorry, just, it wouldn't. It Couldn't wouldn't resist that. People, you know what I mean? Donegal and Sligo. Well, well, hang on to them. Leitrim. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> joking. Uh, well, hang on. Let me go to Maureen. Maureen, hi. How are you? Hi, Niall. How are you? Good. Um, Ma we won't give them cork. Don't worry. Uh, Maureen, you know, let's go back to the money we're spending. You know, is this the cost of compassion, Maureen? No. Hmm. No, no, it's not. no, it's not the cause of compassion. We have, look, I look, we have enough. Anybody can see that. There are, those Irish people are suffering in this country. Our health service is a shambles. Mm -hmm. It's like something, you know, you'd be better off getting treated now in darkest Africa, say by which doctor at this stage you'll be seen faster. Children can't get help. Children can't get on buses to get to school. It's a shambles. And again, Zelensky was given five million by the traitors up here in Dublin again. He's gone around every European country, cap in hand, looking for money. Well, that's because allegedly he doesn't have the money to defend his own country. Yeah, right. He doesn't have. When, the, when that was signed in 1991, they, they signed the second one in 2019. And Zelensky broke Minsk too. So I have no sympathy for him whatsoever anyway. I'm going to be honest. You know, I, I feel so sorry for the people who are affected by the war in Ukraine. Absolutely. And I, my complete empathy for all of them. But I don't like Zelensky. Why didn't I, but no, I know, hang on. But, but I'm agreeing with you, Maureen. I don't like Zelensky. I don't trust no, him. I don't, I don't like him. No. No, don't get me wrong. No, I do. I quite like him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. I'm fair play. <laughs> but I, no, I, don't, I don't trust him. I mean, the, the man claims... You know, that he's this wonderful leader, blah, 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 blah. He, you know, he's on the front of Time magazine or whatever magazine it was doing photo shoots. He's going around the world meeting celebrities. He is minted. He is paying himself an absolute fortune of a salary. His wife goes yeah. allegedly on shopping sprees everywhere they go. Um, now, I know some of the fact checks have said she didn't spend 40000 in Paris and she didn't spend $1.1 in New York and Fifth Avenue. We don't know whether she did or didn't. We don't know. But but, yeah, no, they, they could, yeah, they could be fake stories. We don't know. But yeah. certainly they're not, they're not short of a few quid, uh, which yeah. is very difficult when you're pretending, I suppose, or when you're telling people that you want to protect the country when you're heading around the world spending money and you're looking for money at the same time. 
So you know, yeah. it doesn't look. It's not a good look. I'll be honest with you. So I don't particularly. Uh, well, I don't particularly on, like him. No, 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 I don't particularly like him, Adam. That's look. just. I just don't like him. I, okay. I mean, well, don't get me wrong. I I know very little about the whole situation, and maybe he's a great leader. I know. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. But I just don't like him. No, he's not. He's a puppet. He's he's NATO. He's NATO's puppet. They like they dangle him there on a string, like you know. Go on, Adam. He's what like are you going to say about him? You, well, tell me why you like him. I was going to say, like, your point there, I mean, like, you don't see, like, <laughs> we don't say to Leo Varadkar, oh, well, you put your money into your own pockets to build this hospital. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't work like that. It's Whether or not he's a wealthy person, that's, that's you know, he's not personally responsible to fund a large-scale military operation. No, that's, but 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 hang on. But if, if a country is skint, let's say the people of Ireland, which many of them are skint, by the way, were on their knees uh, and there was a war and Leo was out, say, buying a Ferrari or something like that or he was paying himself a million quid, you know, a year or whatever it is, there'd be questions asked. You know what I mean? There would be questions yeah, asked, like, Adam. You, I mean... You know, and, and all this, like, you know, that he's, he's going around and mingling with celebrities and all, he's going to the United Nations. He's going to things that are going to put Ukraine back in people's minds because at the same time, you know, the world is a very fast and ever-changing place. The, like, people have stopped talking about the Ukrainian war. It does need to be refreshed that there is a country okay. very, very close to us. Yeah, that is, you but know, Adam. Under... But Adam. Well, look, well, 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 just to put a, a final point on the likes of Zelensky, the man is worth millions, right? They reckon, well, some people said billions. I don't believe he's worth billions. But I do believe he's worth, there's a suggestion that his net worth is over 20 million. And he also has property all over the place as well. Um, so he's done quite well out of being the president of Ukraine. Um, okay, getting back to the money that we're spending, Maureen, yeah. there is no doubt that yeah. people are yeah. leaving, you know, areas of Ukraine where, you know, their houses have been blown up, the hospitals have been blown up, the schools have been blown up, you know, and, and they fear for their lives and they want, and they might have young kids. So what do you do? Do you just stand at the at the port, at Dublin Port, and say, sorry, no room at the inn, off you go, bye now. Well, well unfortunately, Niall, if, if the country was really full and you had nowhere to put these people in, you knew you were going to bring him in and put him into tents and put him somewhere else, you might say, yes, can't take you. We'll see if we can get, stay where you are. We'll see if we can get some other countries to take you. But there was also Western Ukraine, and I didn't see many Eastern Ukrainians going to Western Ukraine. Well, that, that argument has been put out there. but fully open. That argument is out and there. Not, and, but, but hang on, but we also had a situation here in Ireland going back many years ago, Northern Ireland where many people left Northern Ireland during the Troubles, many of them didn't go to the south of Ireland. Many went to Scotland and other countries around the world. So in saying that, people will decide sometimes, well, I want to leave the country altogether because I don't feel safe. That's their choice. That's what, yeah. At the same yeah. time, at the, yeah. same time though, at the same time, I mean, it's, it's ludicrous to say that there isn't stuff going on in Western Ukraine. I mean, Kiev is still being shelled, you know, every fortnight or so. There is still shellings happening in the capital city. It's not like that it's, it's exclusively put to exactly one end of Ukraine. I mean, we're talking about a country here with the potential of long-range missile strikes and potentially even, I mean, look, I don't think Putin can be trusted at all anymore to not use weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, so, but hold on a second. I mean? Adam, can I address Adam there a second? Adam, you just made a statement there that Ukraine, we must keep it to the forefront. I don't want to know about it. I'm sick of listening to it. But there's no talk about Kosovo has, uh, is after erupting as well. And again, that's NATO. So there, there's other things going on, but we're not being told about it because everything is being focused on Ukraine and Zelensky and all the rest of it. And listen to these goons up here in Gangster House. Oh, we stand by Gangster our Ukrainian Irish people do this, that and the other. No, we don't, because I don't. 
and and the people that are out there with their with their with their signs. Well, they, well, refugees more, they, are welcome. Hold on a second, Adam. Hold on a second. Refuge, the refugees are welcome here. How many did, how many refugees did all those people take into their home? Not one, because they were asked, "Oh, I have no room. I haven't got this, and I haven't got that." And when they were asked, "Well, where we should we should where should we put them?" They couldn't answer that question either. I mean, she has got a point. It's all well and good being at a rally with a sign saying "refugees welcome here," but when there's nowhere to put them, Adam, and you know, and the country's financially, when, when the country is on its knees with a housing crisis and an accommodation crisis, it's easy to stand there with a sign saying "refugees welcome." You're not the one who has to worry about dealing with it. Do me a favor, all of you, stay there for a second. Angela, I'm going to come to you now too as well. I got to take a quick break. The Nile Boylan Podcast. Get in touch, just WhatsApp or text Ireland on 085 100 2255. Did I say that too fast? Yes, slow it down. <laughs> that was me trying to do the effect. <laughs> 085 100 2255. The Nile Boylan Podcast. Stay there with me, Adam, if you can. Let me go to Angela. Angela, hi, how are you? I'm Grant. Can I ask Adam a question there? You, you can, yeah. Yeah, Adam, where are you living? You don't uh, have I'm to living give in. Your you don't have to give your address, by the way, Adam. Yeah, she no, mean, she <laughs> means like in a house or apartment or what? I, I'm assuming. Uh, I'm living in living? a house. Living in, in a house. Dublin. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm living in Clare. Okay, where a population, the population of a small town here, has gone up four times in the past year. Okay, four times. And that's with right. Ukrainians. Okay. Now, there is no extra schools. There is no extra medical. There is no extra shop down here. Okay? So that's just one right. small town. Right. Um, so if you struggling want to go to see make point. a doctor's... You're struggling to see your point. You want, yeah. You're struggling to see my point. That yeah. now people who were born and bred here have to go outside of that town to go for education, right? They have to go outside of the town for medical. The shops are half empty now because of food, okay? Because Ukrainians have been brought in, and you're struggling to see my point. How long does it take you to get a doctor's appointment? I'm very, uh, a day, two days. <laughs> yeah. Try a week and a half. Try a week yeah, and, and a half. Look, they're, they're but definitely, no, they're definitely, no, 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 wait, let me, let me make, let me, let me, no, let me, let me respond to your point. Let me respond to your point. There's okay, definitely so. a conversation that, there's definitely a conversation that needs to be had about how rural Ireland has been absolutely shafted by successive governments, but that is not the fault of people fleeing war. It may not be the fault of people fleeing war, but it is the it is the fault of a government for making the decision to put so many people into an area where there's a small population. So can the, I just you know I mean the point I'm just clearly making is I, well hang on the point I'm just clearly making Adam is yeah, if you're going sorry. to do this you have to make sure the resources are there for the increased population too. Now Adam, <laughs> can I also say to you, Adam, what car do you drive? I don't drive. You don't drive. Okay. No. Well, it's um, it's a, a massive, excuse my language, effing piss off when you see these people driving around in their Range Rovers, their Porsches. And I'm not lying. 
I'm not lying. Come down a, 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 Range Rover, a, Range, a Range Rover, a Range Rover, or a Porsche is not being supplied by the state, nor is it being bought with no, the amount of money no, that they're earning. No, you can, no, you can, you can, you, know be, you can be, you can, you can be rich. You can be rich and and flee a country. That's, that's those okay. two things aren't. Adam, they can, they Adam, can co-currently did you go exist. on a holiday this year? Did you go on a holiday this year? Yeah. Yeah. Where'd you go? Um, <laughs> I went to Eurovision. I mean, I, I don't know how that's you relevant, went, but... Yeah, no, that, that's fine. Surprise, because surprise. you know where these people went? <laughs> you know where these people went? Well, some where? of them went to their holiday homes in Spain, right? Holiday homes that they own in Spain, but come back here because they get paid, so they go over and back. A lot of them went back to Ukraine, okay, to the lovely parts of Ukraine that is thousands of miles away from the war, okay? Exactly. And what they do is they bring back their cars, they bring back their Jeeps, they bring back... And the sad part about this is, Adam, is the people who could afford to come to this country came to this country and are living off the state but still have millions and thousands in the banks. It's the poor people who are left over there who can't afford to get out of the country. So what they are doing is they're staying in their country. They are staying so, there, so, but moving so we, out of the war torn area. So should 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 we mean test people at our border? No. What is we should answer? do is what do you mean? Should we means test them? Yeah, clearly well, we should. Because how I mean, are you telling me that somebody with a brand new Range Rover, right? Okay, I'm sorry, a year old or six months old is over here with a medical card and being given housing and being given food when they have enough money? Now you can I come on? Because well, Hang because on, of, because a bomb, a physical bomb, is going to affect someone driving a Range Rover as much as it is, as it is going to. I I, I, I think you're maybe slightly missing the point she's making. Now I understand, you know, some people don't say don't connect the two, but if you're wealthy, Adam, as you pointed out, you know, you can be wealthy and and have to leave because of a war, and I completely agree with you. You can be wealthy and have to leave because of a war, but if you're wealthy, you shouldn't be relying on the host country then to support you. You should be supporting yourself. So then, but then, if the answer is the answer, do we do we have do we hire in? I don't know, say twenty staff into into you know a civil servant position that means test well, Ukrainians because well, well, well why not? Because it's costing us billions. Yes, hire people in to say when people come into the country. Okay, can I see your bank statement, please? How much please? money is that going to cost? Well, why can't we? What like twenty? You a 20 lot less than billions. A lot less than billions. There's nothing wrong with asking to see people's bank statements. Yeah, if you were going anywhere in the world looking for any kind of financial support, you'd be asked for a bank statement. There's still people though that will that will need support. So it's Absolutely. Going to be billions on top of on top yeah. of say the couple of hundred thousand that is going to be you know, used to. But there's to a, but, but Adam, there's a huge the point that Angela's mainly making there at the start is there's a huge knock on effect to having millions of people, you know, and it doesn't. I, I mean, let's not cast aspersions on the individuals themselves. But I'm talking about the government to government decisions here and bad policy, right? But the huge amount of people that are coming into small towns and villages all over Ireland, it's destroying tourism because there's no hotels for tourists to stay in anymore. So the local bars and restaurants are affected because there's no footfall for the tourists anymore. I mean, we only spoke to Paul Travaux, the restaurateur, uh, there about a week and a half ago, and he's telling me that rural Ireland, the small restaurants and bars have been decimated because the local hotels are full with refugees who are not going out and having meals every night. They're not like tourists. So, you know, so these then, are things that have to be dealt also, with. Adam, 
Adam, can I also tell you that you have one of these Ukrainians who come over who complain about food, okay? The food that they were given for free. And now they're given out because they have to pay 10 euros. Okay, well, do me a favor, stay there because Joanna's dying to say something here. Joanna, go ahead. Hi, Niall, how are you? Good, Joanna. What would you like to say? Well, I tell you now where I spent the last hour, okay? Where'd you spend the last hour? I'm, I bumped in. Yeah, I bumped into uh, an old friend of mine who literally cried into my face, and I'm not lying to you, because she's a carer full-time for her elderly mother, and the girl doesn't get a break. She can't get her mother into one night of respite care to give her a break. And they can pay these people to sit in their arses and go back and get their teeth done. The Irish now would really want to wake up and open their eyes. The money that we're spending on these people... How are you putting the two of those together? Sorry, Joanna, with the greatest respect, okay? I understand the point you're making about people heading back to get their teeth done. I've seen those stories. But how are you putting the two of them together, the, the story about your friend who can't get respite for your mother? The reason she can't get respite for your mother is nothing to do with money. We don't have the staff. Well, I tell you now, that I think that's bullshit, to be honest Well, no, it's not bullshit. Okay. It is how is that bullshit? I, I think... We, we, think we don't have enough staff. We, we don't have enough carers. We don't have enough staff in the hospitals. Well, we need more. Well, they're going to have one less carer now when she jumps into the river. And I can tell you that for nothing. Well, well, I hope she doesn't. Well, I hope she doesn't do that, Joanna. But, well, but I don't think... I'm telling you, I, she cries into my face. And you have a right to give out about both things. You have a right to give out about where, both. Where, where is it going to stop? Every other country now in the EU is waking up to this scam, right? And they're closing their borders. Why are we the only country that's virtual signaling still? We have, we have thousands of people homeless. Thousands. And we're still carrying on with this scam. I, for one, anyway, I'm wide awake and I hope everyone else wakes up because our country's been destroyed. All right, thank you for that, Joanna. Let me go to Peter Thanks. as well. You're welcome. Uh, Peter, hi, how are you? How's it going, Noel? Uh Peter, nice to talk to you. Peter... Uh, I'm looking at the costs, and you know the costs have come out over the last few days as how much we're spending on accommodation for refugees um, and asylum yeah. seekers, and it's billions. Yeah, is that the cost of compassion? No, that's the cost of a, a government that hasn't a clue. Um, do you ever hear the expression of "get your own house in order first"? I mentioned it at the start of the um, show. Yeah, yeah. And I tell you one thing. It, it, a, it is a scam. Every hotel I pass by as, I, as I'm driving around the country and the gangs of people outside them, the intimidation, people crossing the other side of the road to get away from them and stuff. Like, it's, it's getting a joke. Like, all the carers in this country, nurses have to protest to get a bit more money for looking after the people in hospitals. Oh, there's no money for that. Um, when it comes to, like, different things in the country that, that are emergencies. There's no money for that. But as soon as we need to bring in refugees from, from, from these countries, and it's not just, um, what you call at the minute, there's other countries as well coming in. Yes, of course, I and, know. Like, there's no money for the things that we need in our own country, emergencies and hospitals and housing. But yet there's a billion euros set aside for all this stuff that's going on now at the minute. It's an absolute joke, and we should be taking care of our own country and our own people before anything else. And I love that. Um, I'm at the being, I've seen two interviews of the Polish leader, 
and he was in European, I think he was in the European Parliament, and he was saying, like, how they don't let anybody into their country. That's right, yeah. And the number one for safety in their country, their economies are growing, all this stuff has happened because... They they, they have the lowest employment rate in Europe, yeah. Or um, unemployment and rate. Then, and then look at our country, yeah, just open the borders, let anybody in, like, it's, it's a joke, like, are these people being vetted? Like, is there murderers coming in? Is there criminals coming in? And I can guarantee you, they are. They're slipping through the cracks. Well, of course they are, yeah. No, you know? no everybody is being vetted. We're well aware of that. But, I mean, when we talk, let, let's focus on one thing at a time. So let's talk about Ukrainian refugees. You know, yeah. we, do you believe that we have, um, you know, on humanitarian grounds, that we have an obligation to look after people? To a certain extent, but... What happened when we had troubles for years up, up the north? Like when, when there was war going on between England and Ireland, like... Well, many people, many, I mentioned that earlier on, many people living in the north moved to the south or they moved to Scotland or they moved to other countries. Yeah, yeah they didn't, like, all whole influx of them they didn't just leave the whole of northern Ireland. Some stayed there, you know, wouldn't give up their homes. They just stayed and battled through it and... Like, wasn't quite the same thing now, in fairness. They didn't have bombs dropping on them. Well, they did have a few bombs going off, but they didn't have bombs dropping on their houses on a daily basis. And missiles. Yeah, well, yes. Well, I understand, but are we getting the full story of what's happening over there? You know the way the media can be as well. Oh, no, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, do that. I don't always trust the media either, but in saying that, there is a civil war. Yeah, well, it is to a certain extent, I understand, in the humanitarian sense. But where do you draw the line? Who who stop it? Who knows exactly how many we brought in? Who knows exactly like how many were were supposed to? And who knows like where where do you draw the line when your own country is having problems with hospitals and? Well, the, gov well, the government the government don't want to seem to draw a line. They're going to keep doing it, and according to Roderick O'Gorman, they're still going to let them in. Doesn't matter what people have said. Now, the, the rosters with the guards as well, the people that protect the country, like. We need to get our own house in order. If, if the police need more money for police, then it should be given to them. If nurses need more money, it should be given to them. Like they're struggling to pay their rent in houses in, in around where they're working and all. And this is only creating, this is only adding to the problem. More people coming into the country and our own are going without and having to pay more for rent, having to do loads more things that they, should, they wouldn't normally have to do. And this is just adding fuel to the fire of the problems that are on in this country at the minute. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed. Let me go to uh, Tina. Tina, hi, how are you? Hi, Niall, not bad, how are you? Good, Tina. Let me, the original question again, you know, is this the cost of compassion? Billions we're spending on refugees and asylum seekers seeking international protection. Um, another billion has been set aside uh, by Pascal Donoghue. Um, is that the cost of compassion? Are you happy enough with that? No, I think there needs to be definitely a stop on the amount of people coming in and that goes for IPs and Ukrainians. I, you know, I work in, in education and um, these families coming in from, for, from Ukraine, they weren't, well, they weren't from the dangerous or bomb dropping zone as such anyway, um, but you can understand them fearing or whatever. So all of their families are moving over. They're like the other, I think it was Angela, I agree with Angela, they're being dropped in the middle of the country or, or um, in places where they don't have access to um, facilities and services. And 
they are completely dependent on the state um, and they're also, ha they have no, they're using this as an opportunity as, as well as everything else. So they have no intention of going home. Well, and some, I have some have no intention of going home, some will. Most yeah. have no intention. Mo I would say most have no intention of going home. They're, they're planning to bring over all of their extended family because they're getting um, social welfare handouts left, right and centre. They're getting more help than anyone else of an Irish nationality would get. Um, I know they're in a, a war situation, but it's like the other caller was saying, we don't know how much to believe anymore what we're seeing. And um, the president of Ukraine is disgusting, in my opinion. Um, but he, the, the, it's coming from their mouth, their own mouth. They're not planning on going home. So this ideology of, oh, it's only a temporary situation and they'll all go home when it's over is complete BS. They're not going to go anywhere. Um, well, it all, I suppose it all depends on how long it lasts because most people, or a lot of people, will have set up their lives. They'll have, their kids will be in school now, nearly a year, maybe some of them. So they probably don't want to yeah, go but, home, Lou, because they'd have a new life here now. Yeah. The assimilation into school is a real problem. I mean, like, it's completely holding back every other student that can't speak English. It's such a problem. Where that, did the, by the way, I'm curious, where did all the school spaces come from? Because if I go back three years ago, even before COVID, I used to have people on the radio coming on and saying they couldn't get places for their kids in school locally. And, and yet all of a sudden we've 15,000 extra children uh, from Ukraine alone and we seem to be able to find places. So where did all the places come from? Because they're just making up rules to suit the, the government are just making up rules left, right and centre to suit whatever payments they're getting or grants they're getting from the EU to take these people in. Well, they're not getting you that know, much from the EU. The taxpayers paying for most of it. Yeah, but there, there are, there's a space that are not there. You know, they're just being crammed in and it's completely disrupting the curriculum. The curriculum is not even being taught um, as it should be taught because they're not getting through it because they're spending so much time trying to get these students to understand basic words of English. And there, there are resources there um, like EAL, uh, English for Additional Language Speakers and ESOL and all that stuff coming on board. But I mean, these people have not a word. Some of them have not a word. And then others are... So what happens, I mean, you're in the education industry, right? So what happens if you've got a class in primary school, let's say, of seven-year-olds and, you know, you've got three little seven-year-olds come in with not a word of English? But how does that work? Well, in some cases, there would be um, an additional teacher or support support teacher or assistant in that scenario to take these children aside um, for a couple of hours or whatever. But the reality of it is, is that it is a disruption to the curriculum being taught in the classroom. So there's a lot of additional and extra time spent with these children trying to assimilate them in to classes and it's not working and, and particularly in secondary schools n you know primary schools you could give them a year or two and they might catch up but secondary schools with 16 17 18 year olds coming in in the it's senior cycle yeah. and can't speak yeah. yeah i mean the irish students are, are totally losing out the teachers aren't able to get through the curriculum as they should be and they're facing state exams based on a curriculum that's half taught because so, so okay so your point is it's not only about the money it's about the resources that we don't you can't just yeah. land you know a few hundred people into a small town with no resources no education exactly. no proper education system or separate education system or doctors or nurses or whatever it is in the town. Yeah, and when it comes to, you know, the people, the people themselves, it comes to IPs as well, you know, the refugees that are coming in claiming refugees, but they're, they're actually economic migrants coming from Africa and all sorts of other places. Like, the Irish people are at fault, really, because they're not standing up. 
they need to grow a backbone and they need to grow it now because this situation is going to get ten. It's not the people's fault coming in. Any human that would come from a, a, dest, a destitute kind of a place like that with an opportunity like Ireland and getting handouts left, right and centre would take it. You can't blame humans for, for being human. No, you blame but the government for bad policy. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I, I've said this before and I, when I talk about protesters. There's no point in standing outside a hotel shouting, go home, go home. Oh, that's, that's, that's pointless because it's not their fault that they're there. They've taken advantage of a system or bad policy. Yeah, well, Irish people need to get involved in, the, in, in um, government and, and maybe running for even election because the, the parties there at the moment, they are all on the same hymn sheet. Not one of them are going to question this or stop this. Um, influx of immigration, be it from Ukrainians, be it from IPs from Africa, whatever. Um, it's not going to stop unless the Irish people stand up and make it stop. Okay, and okay. Well, well, hang, well, hang on, Tina. Just stay with me for a second because, uh, Joe, I'll be with you in a second. Let me go to Paddy as well. Paddy, hi, how are you? How you doing? Um, Paddy, I mean, I'm, we started off by talking about the the cost. It's, it's At this stage, we're into billions now in the last year. And you know, a lot of people are saying, okay, look, we want to help people. We want to do as much as we can. But there's a cost to compassion as well. And we're a small country. Well, you see, uh, Niall, what we're seeing at the moment is the realisation of the clergy plan, which was formulated at the end of the First World War and is leading to the Great Reset. Now, the clergy plan, as you probably know, was a plan to invade Europe with... Uh, different coloured races to make a coffee-coloured world, a coffee-coloured Europe. Uh, Paddy, I'm not going to go down that road. I don't believe it's uh, some sort of strategic yeah, invasion. I, do, I believe it's opportunists. Do you, uh, you think, so you think that, yeah? I don't, I don't, I don't think it's some sort of organised invasion. Um, I believe it's opportunists taking advantage of a situation. You be know, they economic migrants or be they asylum seekers or be they refugees. You know, the, great, the Great Reset. I'm well aware of the words that have been used in the Great Reset, but that's just a theory that some people have, yes. I'm well aware of it. You can actually see evidence of the Great Reset. Klaus Schwab, who is the head of the WEF, has declared on many occasions, as has Prince Charles, that we are that we have a great reset and the, 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 and if I, if I mention COVID, you'll probably cut me off because you'll say I'm going off the point. No, I'm well, well. Well, you are going off the point, but I probably would agree with some of the stuff you're going to say about COVID. But let's not go down there today. But uh, I mean, it's everything is connected. There are dots, and they all join up together. This is not casual. It's not something that just happened because okay, of the so war. okay, but, but 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 stick to the point of what we're talking about today. So, what do you do when people arrive in Ireland? Say from Ukraine, for example. Back to their own country. Why well, send them back to a war? Why well, you just send them back to a war? Is that what you do? You send them back to the part of Ukraine where there is no war, which is ninety percent of Ukraine. But but would you like to go back to a country where there is a war, with a risk of it going of happening in your town or your village, even though it may not have had a missile hit a jet? Would you like to go back to that? You can you can go to you can go on holidays to Ukraine. I'm well aware you can book a hotel on Booking.com to Ukraine. I'm well aware there's no flights into Ukraine. By the way, you have to get a train. But, but what? So what's the, that point is, is redundant. It's not it's not redundant because no matter where you happen to live in Ukraine, there is a risk that at any point Russia may drop a bomb. We don't know. Russia are capable of doing anything. They're unpredictable. There's a risk that Russia will bomb us tomorrow because oh, we've, we've basically lost our that, but Yes, but that risk is, is a lot smaller than if you were living in Ukraine. Paddy, come on, talk sense to me here. 
risk. I'll work with you halfway if you talk sense to me. It's still a risk. I mean, it, I mean, Britain is next door to us, right? Britain is part of the of the, the NATO invasion of of, uh, of the, the NATO circulation of 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 uh, encirclement, I should say. Yeah, they're funding the war. Yes. So, Britain plus Shannon Airport plus all the places that have that basically are under NATO command in the, in the, in this world are under threat. So Russia could easily tomorrow just say, look. Shannon Airport needs to go because they are they are helping the bring in troops, bring in weapons from the, to, to to attack us. I that doubt Putin gives a shit about Ireland. To be honest, with the greatest respect. But, and, and, uh, Ireland is a strategic point. On I'm the well aware map. of that. I'm well aware of that. It's the back door into Britain. So why would he not give a shit about? Uh, the, the, the question I'm asking you again is: so refugees arrive from a war-torn country and arrive in Ireland. What do you do if you don't want to take any more? What do you do? You send them back. Oh, you send you send them back to sender. Re- return to sender. Ah, so that's easier said than done, Paddy. You know, I mean, well, according to Michal Martin, we can't do that. I don't agree with him, by the way. I do believe the barristers have told me that we do have a, we don't have an obligation to take that many people. Um, I've got to get through the calls, Paddy. I'm not trying to cut you short. I just got to get through a lot of people. Joe, well, hang on, Joe. Hi, how are you? Good afternoon, Neil. How are you doing? Uh, how you doing, Joe? We could go into a million different Good. stories here, and we could go in a million different directions, but let's focus on the one. Uh, the one direction is that we're spending a lot of money on refugees, and it's taxpayers' money. Billions. Yeah, and I totally agree, Noel. And I think there are two things that I'm going to say here now, and I think it needs to be highlighted. Number one, right? What if another pandemic breaks out in the country? Just say, for instance, Ebola gets into the country, right? Or any disease, Right? How yeah. are we going to accommodate for the hospitals for everybody, including migrants and including our own people? I don't think we will, Niall. No, it would be a disaster. We, it would be a disaster. We, like Jack Lambert said there, I, I was listening to Jack Lambert in an interview a few about three months ago. Okay, just for people who don't know who he is, Professor Jack Lambert, he's a disease, yeah. uh, for a disease specialist in Mathematical Hospital. Yeah. That's right. Now, he said that if... Sorry. Go ahead. If there was another pandemic broke out in the world, and of course Ireland would be in the middle of it, we would not have the infrastructure to deal with it because we are a basket case when it comes to anything. And our government have lost control of immigration. It's all virtual signaling, right? Now, I'm not going to go down the races route because there's no point of it, but I'm just saying that we need to take back our country and we need to get a grip on what we're doing. We have, we're enough is enough. And I was listening to Tina and the other contributors there, and they have said it, that people need to start lobbying politicians. And they need to get tougher politicians because an election is going to come up in the next year anyway. So, like, this is the opportunity now for people to get straight with, pe- with well, politicians. Well, here, well, here's the thing. If 90% of the calls that have come on the air today, and on Monday when I talk about multiculturalism and Suella Braverman and what she said, and 90% of the calls have said, we don't want any more, uh, unless, of course, it's to the proper process of visas, et cetera, et cetera. Why do you think, and, and by the way, I'm not selecting the calls today. We're not, anybody is welcome to come on, by the way, no matter what your view happens to be. So, but 90% of people that have come on have said, we need to stop doing this. So why are the elected representatives that all 90% of you that have come on today have voted for, why are they all ignoring you? Because politicians... Are afraid to face the people. 
It's as simple as that. Sorry, Tina. What, 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 hang on. Sorry, Tina. What, what did you say there? Because the Irish people are not, they're, they're a laughing stock right now. The backbone is gone out of the Irish people. They know they can get away with it. That's why they're not doing anything. That's the simple reason what it all boils down to. The Irish people are not, like, take a leaf out of the French's book. Like, I mean, that's how you protest if you want something changed. This business of standing outside but the so door... What, but yeah, but what are you doing, uh, Tina, I'm not being smart, but what are you doing, for example? I have I, I have sent emails to local CDs. I've actually considered running for election myself. I have uh, looked into the policies of each party that's there at the moment. I have um, been on the street over COVID and stuff. I've mm-hmm. been out on the street. Okay, so you so you have taken part yourself. You're practicing what you preach. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but I see a lot of Irish people these days, they just say, ah, sure, look it, I'm all right, Jack. So once I'm all right, nobody wants to take action over anything. And that is exactly why they're allowed to stay in government. It's exactly why they're allowed to keep these policies coming hard and fast. Uh, Joe, by the way, Joe, have you done any protests? Have you been out at any protests? Or have you written to your TDs or politicians? I've written. I have been written to TDs. I've written to senators. I've been in contact with several TDs. Now, some of them I've got through to. Others didn't want to speak to me. I was accused one day by, a, by one of a TD's uh, secretaries of being a fascist. Because a fascist? I didn't agree, yeah, because <laughs> I didn't agree with the COVID lockdown. So I that made, that made you a fascist. Point. Okay, I don't think she yeah, understood the word fascist, fascist properly. Yeah. But I just said, I gave out stink. I said, why am I put under house arrest just because of a virus? That's not as dangerous as what people predicted. And why are people walking around the streets getting away with murder? Why can't I do the same? And your man turned around, she says, we're following the guidelines. I said, what guidelines? There's no guidelines. It's a load of bees knees. It's a load of belabber, I said. And I, and I tell her who the person was, right? Don't give me no, don't give me their name in the air. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all right, It okay. was a secretary to, a, to, to the team. To a, to the to, oh, okay, all right, okay. So, right. so in other words, and you were called a fascist. I think we've redefined the word fascist in this country, to be honest with you. Anybody who disagrees yeah. with any government policies nowadays seems to be a fascist. Uh, well, stay, yeah. there, stay there because I want to go to Sophie as well. Sophie, hi, how are you? Hi, Niall, how are you doing? Good. Sophie, I mean, uh, the original question again, compassion costs money, we're spending billions. At what point do we stop? Okay, uh, if I can just give a slightly different perspective on this, maybe uh, when people talk about spending billions, there are people earning billions. So I think looking at the focus of where the money is going, uh, there's a lot of incentives. There's a huge amount of millionaires and billionaires profiting. Irish Absolutely. Hotels, caterers. Yep, yep. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm always surprised that those people have not been identified, named and shamed. A lot of them are probably off on somewhere at the moment, having bought a pub from Nama at about 120000 and are now ending, earning 27000 a week in a town that they have no relationship with and have headed off into the wild. Many of, those, many of these companies, by the way, are not even Irish. They're Northern Irish in UK. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but there are some individuals yeah, as well. And, yeah. and, because I've been looking at that because I always try to look at, you know, where they're telling you to point, where the anger is being projected and where the problem actually is. So the, the absolute disgusting traitorship greed of individuals who are willing to um, allow profits to be made from them at the cost of their neighbours or locals or even people they've no attachment to whatsoever in a town. That needs to be addressed. Second of all, this illusion that we have a government or that they have any power is baffling me at this stage. We have a group of individuals sitting in a corporation branch called the 33rd Triumvirate of Shame 
the doll, which they demonstrated during COVID when they left the doll and moved over to the commercial building at 15 or 20,000 a day. They were letting us know we're not a government anymore. Mm -hmm. They are a branch of the World Economic Forum. Now, within them, and you can see it in their faces, there's one or two or three of them who are actually integrated or initiated into the, the ritualistic view of the, the, the World Economic Forum neo-Gnostic oh, we spoke before yeah. about, but it's essential. And those couple of them are, they're quieter in there, but they're very powerful. And they're the ones that are pushing in. So the likes of Simon Coveney saying we're going to raise the Irish population up to pre-famine stage. This has been going a long time. Not one single person... Well, that's 10 million, now, isn't that? Wasn't that the plan? But mind you, here, here's the thing, Sophie, right? I do believe you could bring the Irish population up to 10 million people over a long period of time. Now, the only thing about it is Irish people are not having children. Uh, we're only having two or three children because we're not being encouraged to have children because we don't have uh, proper Absolutely. facilities and supports for Irish people to have children. We don't have supports for mothers, for example, for their children in daycare, etc., etc. So if we did all that, Irish people would increase the amount of children they have to maybe three or four rather than the two we currently have at the moment. So if we're not going to produce this 10 million people with Irish children, unfortunately, we're in a situation where we may lose our identity. Well, actually, if you look at it another way, if you want to spend some of those billions, we could have done incentives for the Irish that live abroad that had to leave to come, to back. come back home. Mm-hmm. Or we. Yeah, I, I know what's his name, uh, Peter Casey. Unfortunately, I've lost the lines there again. Unfortunately, uh, uh, Peter Casey, I know was looking to do that. He was looking to get the expats uh, back. What I'll do is I'll come back to you for a second and I'll go back to Morris as well uh, just before we finish up today. Um, loads and loads of people, by the way, sending in your text today. Um, it's, um, let me see, somebody says, ask, and I'll ask Adam, what does he think about the Ukrainian president's wife spending over a million on diamonds in New York last week? Says James. I see that story, James, by the way. According to the story, she spent 1.1 million in Cartier on Fifth Avenue. Now, I think they've denied it. Cartier have said this is untrue. This story is not true. It was put out by somebody who was um, claiming they worked in the shop. And they also put up receipts online. They're saying in Fifth Avenue the receipts are fake. They're not real. There was also a story last year about her spending 40000 in Paris. There is no doubt the woman has expensive tastes and spends quite a substantial amount of money on her fashion and everything else. But I don't know whether the story of the 1.1 million last week in New York is actually true or not. I'll wait till somebody fact-checks it first. Sorry, um, let me let me just go back to, Mar- to Morris if I can. Morris, hi, how are you? Uh, not too bad, Niall. Um, in relation to that, yeah, it's like, like it, people should have a vote like where the, that type of money is going because like, we, all, we all remember the, 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 the cuts that, that came in with the crash and when the... Uh, when the, when the um, when the IFA, uh, the international monetary fund uh, came to this country and imposed a lot of harsh cuts on the country, and you know a lot of people had to to to, to, to were were suffering from it. And now that the government has a lot of money, from, especially from the corporation tax, now it's people are very angry that it's just being given away to people that have no attachment whatsoever to the country and people who haven't been paying maybe thirty, forty years of tax into the system and are getting what some people would say, you know, they're getting everything really that a lot of people, Irish people didn't get, for instance, a lot of people that left in the 80s, a lot of people who left in the 90s didn't get. And, you know, there's a lot of false equivalents that are put out there saying that the Irish have 
came, went to America or whatever, the Irish people who left to America and England, they weren't given a free council house. They weren't given X, Y, Z. No, they were on their own. Yeah, you were, you were on your own. And also, by the way, you looked over your shoulder that you were going to be chucked out at any time too, by the way. Like my uncle went to America. I, um, I had an uncle from my dad's side who went to America. He didn't get anything. He went and... All no, I do, now, we, we, we do have to remember that was a long time ago, by the way. And to go to America now, if you were Irish, you have to have a visa. Like I can't go yeah. over to I can't go to America as an economic migrant. I can't go over to America and say, "Listen, I, I, when I get to immigration, I can't turn around and say things are not too good for me. I lost my job in Ireland. There's not many jobs. Can you? Can I just let me in?" That's, they're not going to. So that's not the way it works anymore. That was the way it worked sixty years ago. But as you rightly said, when the Irish went to America, I hate this idea when we compare the Irish going to America all the time. We paid our own way. We weren't given, you know, a flat or an apartment or a house or anything like that. We weren't given supports or social welfare. You had to go and work. So Irish people went and worked in construction. Uh, they worked in the police force. They worked in the fire department. They worked everywhere um, and paid their own way. Another big thing as well is that there's a lot of money being given to NGOs. That oh, that, that has to stop, yeah. Like there's, like I, I, could, I was trying to look up a recent figure, but the, the most recent I could look up six billion. the state put out was... It's six billion, but I remember even back in 2018, and they spent. Um, Pascal O'Donoghue mentioned that they spent um, five point eight. Yeah. So I'm assuming they're. Oh, they're spending billions sorry. on NGOs every year. Useless. Most of them useless NGOs, by the way. Some of them do some good work, but most of them are useless. You know? But like, who is who is it? And and these people then are pushing whatever agenda. They're, oh, they and absolutely. But 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 let me let me just, let me just stick to the original conversation because we're going off on a bit of a tangent, and I I need to just. Go very quickly back to Sophie as well. Um, we got off on a bit of a tangent. The The money that we're spending currently at the moment, the billions already spent and the other billion assigned now to refugees and people seeking international protection. Um, do you believe that at some point it was okay to do that? Or do you believe it was never okay to spend any of that money? Is that me, Niall? Yes, yeah. You. Yeah, um, well, in my opinion... Um, uh, it's, it, there should be a vote on it. Oh, okay. Well, that, that would be a fair point. Uh, Sophie, just come back to me because I lost you there Hi. just a few minutes ago. Sorry. Um, ju just finally, because I really have to wrap it up, Sophie. Um, I mean, at what point is it okay? I mean, I'm lo looking back, for example, when there was 20,000 Ukrainian refugees here eight months ago, and some people said the number should have been capped. Would that have been okay in your eyes? Um. I think if, if, if what we're, we've been told is sincere, there's always a place for spending money to help people. But the war that's happening at the moment is our country has been invaded, along with a lot of other countries. This is a progressive plan that is happening. And by the time the Irish people appear to understand that we do not have a government, that we are being invaded, our resources are being taken, the changes in legislation that are being made to the housing bill, and that these men that are being brought up here um, are being told, this is your country, these are your women and these are your houses. By the time the Irish people realise that, um, I think it's going to be too late. On that note, I'm going to have to wrap it up. Listen, and thank you very much indeed. I really appreciate you coming on, Tina. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you very much indeed. By the way, just a quick fact check here. I've just been handed in relation to the Ukrainian First Lady, Olina Zelinska, um, when she was wearing luxury brands. Um, because there's been a lot of stuff mentioned about her and the money she's spending. And there's no doubt she likes her fashion. Users online are sharing digitally altered images of Ukrainian First Lady Olina Zelenska wearing clothing and accessories from luxury brands. The original image shows Richard Hart, an entrepreneur and YouTuber who touts a collection of luxury products. 
A Facebook user sharing the altered image said it warms the heart knowing that billions of our hard-earned tax dollars are going towards uh, good causes this holiday season, like the uh, Volodymyr Zelensky's wife, or Vladimir Zelensky's wife, Olina, for example, who was spotted sporting a designer coat from Gucci and a Rolex watch that retails at 21000 Another example of the claim can be seen here. In other words, some of the images that you're seeing are doctored. There's also a story, as I said, going around at the moment that she spent $1.1 million last week in Fifth Avenue in New York. But again, there's a claim that that's not true, that the story was made up by a, a disgruntled employee, maybe, or something like that, who actually put up doctored images of receipts up online. And there was also a claim she spent 40000 in Paris when they were visiting the French president um, on designer clothes and, and jewellery as well. I don't know how true those stories are. There is no doubt, by the way, that she's a woman who likes her fashion. There is no doubt that Zelensky is very wealthy and not getting any poorer, by the way, can I point out. There is no doubt that he has property all over the world. There's no doubt about any of those things. But has he got the billions that people talk about? Probably not. Um, is she spending 1.1 million um, on diamonds in Fifth Avenue? I don't think so. I doubt that story is actually true. I'd say that's somebody who's quite disgruntled in America because America are funding the war so much and funding the Zelenskys and Zelenskas so much. But here's the thing that I am sure of, and I'm 100% sure of. The vast majority of people in this country don't agree with what the government are doing. The vast majority of people in this country are good people, and they're quite happy to help people who are in need. We're one of the most charitable nations, nations per head of population in the world. And that, have been, that has been tried and tested and seen over and over again throughout the history of this country. We're very charitable. We will help others when they're in need. We always have. And if people from Ukraine came to Ireland, the Irish people, we held out our hands. We brought them in. We would give them whatever they need. But there's a limit to what we can do, particularly... We're currently in a housing crisis and a cost of living crisis. There are people in this country right now at this moment in time who can't afford to go to a doctor. They're not Ukrainian. They don't get a medical card. There are people in this country who don't have a roof over their head. They're not Ukrainian. They don't get free accommodation from the government. There are people in this country who can't turn on the heating at night. They're terrified of the bills they might get. They're not Ukrainian. They're not staying in a hotel at the moment. Compliments of the state. So what I'm saying is we have to be fair. We have to be fair to the Irish people. They are the people who have worked their asses off in this country. They have paid taxes in this country and they deserve to be treated with respect. And if we can spend billions on refugees, asylum seekers, many of them who are genuine and need our support and should get it, by the way, but many of them are not. They're con artists. Many of them have come to this country and they're economic migrants. They're not fleeing a war at all. They're just coming to Ireland because they can get lots of stuff, hotel rooms, social welfare, and they know the Irish government is quite generous. We're the most generous government probably in the world when it comes to refugees. That's why they're all writing to their friends and saying, come to Ireland. Ireland will treat you better. Well, unfortunately, the Cade Mina Falcha is wearing thin now at this stage. And sadly, we have people now living in tents in Stradbally. That's not what we should be doing either. There's a point we have now got to where we have to say, stop. Where the government have to listen to the Irish people. And here's the thing, there's an election coming next year, but they don't care. Because all of the parties, the, the main political parties, all four of them, are all singing from the same hymn sheet. They will continue 
to let more people into the country and have nowhere to put them. And that, in turn, makes our housing crisis worse, which in turn means that your son and your daughter at 20 years of age will never afford to buy a house in Ireland. Because of the housing crisis and supply and demand, those prices will be completely out of their reach. I only spoke to a caller the other night. He has a son who has 40,000 euro deposit. The bank came back and said, no, we need 80. We can't give you enough money to get a house in Dublin. They're completely priced out of the market because of supply and demand. We have a country whose tourism industry is going down the toilet because there's nowhere for people to stay. We have a country where they're suggesting that between Ireland and the UK, they might have the euros. Can you imagine? Where And it'll bring thousands into Ireland and tourism. Where are they all going to stay? When all the hotels are currently filled with refugees. There are very few rooms available for tourism anymore. We have small bars and restaurants all over rural Ireland decimated by the fact that we had very little tourism this year in hotels. We had, as Angela said earlier on, we have small rural villages all over Ireland decimated because there's no services anymore. The schools are full. The GP, you can't get an appointment for three weeks. The hospitals are full. The HSE was already on its knees. Now we've just added 120,000 customers. The country is a joke. It's a mess. And the Irish government are not doing anything about it. And next week, they'll be crying into that suitcase that they hold outside. Or do they even hold a suitcase anymore? It's DVD or USB stick now, isn't it? That's famous suitcase for the budget. Saying, look, that's all we can do for you. 15 quid for the pensioners. They're going to gaslight everybody with a few quid here and there, which will never make up for the amount of money that we've lost over the last two or three years during the cost of living crisis. Everybody is paying 20 to 30% more for everything we're buying now. So giving us an extra fiver a week in our taxes or something like that, or 15 quid for a pensioner, that's no good. That's pointless. They're gaslighting you. That's what they're doing. It's like the government are the biggest narcissists in the world. And they're gaslighting you, coming up to an election. They won't stop doing this. Even though over 76% of the population have said, stop letting refugees into the country. We're quite happy with diversity, by the way. If people come in and they want to work in all the multinational com companies to our normal visa process and immigration process, they're welcome. Nobody has a problem with diversity. Well, some might. They're just racists. But we have a problem when we have people flowing into the country with no borders, no checks, no nothing. We do have a problem with that. And we're right to have a problem with it. We will continue to have a problem with it. But unfortunately, you have a government who will not listen. They just will not listen. Why? Because they don't care. At some point, you'll all realize that. They don't care because even if they don't get elected again, they have a job in Europe. They have a job in the UN. You know, Leo, Michal, they'll go over there to the UN and Europe and they'll get a job there. There's no problem. Pascal's already got one. He'll put a word in for them. So they don't care. The outcome doesn't really matter of the election. And no matter who you vote for, it doesn't really matter. No matter which one of the four parties you vote for, they're all singing from the same hymn sheet. They will all continue to go against what you think is the right thing to do. Public representatives, me arse. They don't care. If you think they care, I'd love to hear from you, by the way. You can WhatsApp us at any stage at 85 If there's anything you want us to talk about on the show, you can WhatsApp at 85 
Don't forget, by the way, we'd love you to support the show. Thank you to everybody who's already supported this show. We really, really appreciate it. To those who can't afford to do that and give us the price of pint every single month, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking part. That's why we provide it free of charge daily between 12 and 1. Well, it's kind of half, it's past half 1 now. We could have, by the way, stayed down until 5 or 6 o'clock today with the amount of calls that we got. But I can tell you, 90% of those calls don't agree with the government policy when it comes to refugees and asylum seekers. They don't agree. That's a problem, isn't it? Please support the show. You can do that, by the way, by going to our website. And it's nileboylan.com. We want to continue to give you this platform every day. To do that costs money. So please help us. And I really, really appreciate it. Please help us. Go to our website, nileboylan.com. It's the price of a pint of beer once a month. For that, by the way, you can get to watch any of the back shows, any of the shows or interviews we've done before, many of them which we don't stream, by the way. We do separate interviews which go on to our website and you can watch those videos. All you got to do is pay the subscription. If you want to listen to the show for free, you can listen to it for free on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, but you can't obviously watch it, but you can listen to it for free. And there are ads during that, by the way, because Spotify, as you know, put ads on and so do iTunes and Amazon and everybody else. But to avoid the ads and to be able to watch the show and listen to the callers and watch the guests that we have on every now and again on Zoom as well, on all the shows, you can go to the website, nileboylan.com. That's the only place you can watch the shows. And as I said, all we ask you to do is register there and give us the price of a pint of beer once a month. This show will be available to download in about an hour's time. If you go to the website or go to all the usual places, you can listen to it for free. But you will have to listen to the ads before it and after it. We don't put them on. They put them on. If you want them ad-free and you want to be able to watch the show, go to our website, nileboylan.com, and register. Then you don't have to listen to the ads and you can watch the show. Thank you very much indeed to everybody who got involved again. Don't forget, we'll talk to you again on Monday at 12 o'clock. Until then, have a great day. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms. <laughs>